welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby. I'm joined as always by the Hell, the Helbertius, the Jake. We are bad at tanking. We are awful at tanking. We can start right there. We are the worst at tanking. That's what that's what this is. Very terrible tankers. We need more Kojo minutes. So the Pistons have won... More Luca Garza minutes. I never thought I'd say the words, but more Luca Garza minutes. I want my eyes to bleed, okay? That's the goal. We got uh, two more months of this. I want to be miserable. So the Pistons are on the a three-game winning streak, which I feel pretty confident is probably the first time maybe the ever. since 2019? Yeah, I'm going to say, have we been podcasting? Since they've had a three-game win streak? Oh, I'm... <laughs> I don't know when we started this. That's a good question. I feel like it probably was How long have I off. been suffering through this alongside you? <laughs> it's hard to we separate ha- when we've done the pods from when we've just been on Discord pissing and moaning at each other. We have taken breaks, so it makes it even more difficult that way. But... <laughs> this will be draft number three? Is it really going to be? We did a lot of Seku. Yep, we did. I don't um, know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Anyways, so the Pistons have won three straight games and six of their last eight in a shocking turn of events that uh, none of us predicted after losing, no. what, like 10 straight? Nine uh, straight I before that? I think it was up to like 16 at one point. Yeah. Well, it was like 16 That might have been early in the season. or something like that. But yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have been bad for most of this year, and all of a sudden now we're just... Winning close games against, like, actually decent teams. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Let's let's not go too far and call, like, them too decent. Like, let's, let us remember that uh, Toronto is without Fred Van Vliet, which means they're, like, a pretty mediocre team. And Indiana Casey owns was Toronto. without Miles Turner and uh, just, like, like is thinking. also bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Hawks are like a median team, but also Trey Young just had like one of his worst nights of the year, and I don't think Detroit the had Hawks much been, to do with that. So the Hawks have been up and down this entire year. So, but Trey Young but, has um, been like an MVP candidate at times. So like for him to like shit the bed as bad as he did, uh, I mean he's been an night? MVP candidate. And they're still <laughs> that was last night. They he's been an MVP candidate, and they're still like. Tenth in the East, so they refuse to play defense. So yeah, it's really that is... bad. Uh, that is a part of like that's the reason Trey Young is not actually in the MVP conversation is the fact that Trey Young gives up like twenty points a night to that shit. I feel so. like I feel like I remember seeing a stat where like they're first in offensive rating and like twenty eighth in defensive rating. <laughs> They've been that like, way. That's how far, like that's how bad they are defensively. Um, and I don't want to go too far in on the Hawks. Because obviously they're not the Pistons, but like, uh, first of all, Gallo cannot move. Like, yeah. just cannot. I'm pretty sure I can move. I'm pretty sure Greg Kelser is like more effective on defense than Danilo Gallinari at this point. Uh, it's really bad. Um, yep. Trey Young doesn't play defense. Uh, I was really disappointed in uh, uh, Hunter as well. Like, just like a lot of their pieces right now are not clicking at all defensively, even pieces yeah. that have a reputation for being good defensively. Um, 
Yeah, Hunter's definitely been off to a stuff game. Gallo, I think, is on a non-guaranteed deal next year, and I can't imagine. It's like $20 million. He's not getting that. <laughs> no. It's It's been rough. I mean, they got Okongwu, your boy, who's been, I feel like, a like a good shining light in this year. He's been pretty good for them. Yeah. Uh, Clint Capella, on the other side of that, has been also had a down year. So <laughs> He's had a down year, but like Clint is still good, and Clint Capella's one of those guys where... Uh, you know, I think we saw this a bit with Andre Drummond, right? Like, if this guy is having a down year, it probably means your team is, like, not doing yeah. its job, right? Yeah. Like, if you set Clint Capella up for success, Clint Capella's going to look like a defensive player of the year, like he did last year. Like, Clint Capella looked awesome. Uh, but clearly there's just, like, stuff failing further ahead of the, in the chain, and it's just not working this year for him. Uh, yep. It's just too bad, because, like, when the Hawks are good, the Hawks are really fun, uh, and they're just, like, not fun right now <laughs> to bring this back to the pistons do you think that could lead to especially this uh upcoming off season the hawks trying to move off some salary especially with like collins has always been talked about in trade rumors capella maybe they say a congo is going to be the future and the pistons could end up getting some first round picks to just bite the bullet on some cap space i i don't know i mean Capella is like an obvious guy where you'd move him if you thought a Kongwu was coming in, but I think we're a year away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get some salary relief, I think, for Gallo already. Yep. I don't know that they need to do I think Bogdan's like, on an expiring deal next year as well. They're still obviously paying Trey, Herter, and Collins and Capella for a pretty long time, though. So that's yeah. the, the gist of their core at the moment. Which, Collins is the hard one, right? Because he's making a good a good amount of money, so you're kind, you know he's a, he's a he's, pretty he serious a crazy deal in the end. It's twenty three like, million, I think, something like that. It's a little more than Jeremy. Because it was um, five for one twenty five or something like that. Something like that, and it's just like one of those things where he's like it's enough of a commitment that like it's a commitment. You you are mm-hmm. you know you're mate you're locking him in as your third or fourth best player at, at least. Uh, he's better on defense, but like you just have to figure out how you want to use them. And I don't know that Nate McMillan is figuring yeah. that out. And uh, there are times where like John Collins looks like he's an all NBA player. And there are times where John Collins looks like he's definitely not that. And if you can't figure that out, your whole team, I think kind of daisy chains from there because he's such a unique, uh, a unique player. You know, it, it's when you have a power forward that you want to run all your pick and rolls through, figuring out what you're going to do for your center is, it becomes a bigger issue and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So they, they've got some, some funky questions. And uh, I think Nate McMillan runs some good offense, but he mostly runs good offense in that he just lets Trey Young do Trey Young shit all the time and not good offense in the sense that like he provides a schematic advantage for Trey Young. So that's kind yeah. of... Um, that's kind of unfortunate, but that's enough about the Hawks. We yep, just yep. got to get into 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 our team because it's been <laughs> it's been a pretty good week. Uh, if yeah. you want to win, uh, uh, you know. In terms certain of winning, agen- it's certain agendas been... notwithstanding, it's been a pretty good week. Since we talked last, it's about as good as you can go, especially winning back to back, playing in Toronto and then home against the Pacers. <laughs> we did not yeah. expect three wins in that stretch. I would say. No, I did not expect two wins. I didn't ex- well, no, I, I did expect the Toronto win. As soon as you told me Fred Van Vliet was out, 
and it was like Dwayne Casey's got another revenge game coming. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty bought in. But I, I think we have to start with the star, right? I, you just got to start with Cade again because once again, he's just been awesome coming out of the mm-hmm. out of the the uh, All Star break after his uh, little injury spell there. Almost twenty points a game, seven rebounds a game, five assists a game. The efficiency still not the best. Uh, he his three point shot has not really recovered. Um, his rim field goal percentage is starting to climb. He's actually top ten right now, I think, in self generated uh, rim pressures. That's a second spectrum thing, I think it is. Um, and that was uh, I heard that on one of the podcasts I was listening to today on my drive home. Um, and I would say his. Was that, his three I think point it was shooting ben is, is to, while you figure that out. His three point shooting has struggled. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like it's starting to kind of turn around a little bit, especially in that Toronto game. He looked a little more comfortable. I mean, looking at the stats here, he was four for nine against Toronto, two for four against Pacers, two for seven against the Hawks. So like, obviously that Hawks game is not going to be good, and he was shooting I think not great before that. <laughs> Looks like two for sixteen in the four games prior. So. I think it's just consistency with Cade and just getting used to that, uh, you know, three-point line and something they didn't have in college. Pretty much everyone struggles their first year transitioning from a college three-point line to an NBA three-point line, even the guys that are, you know, firing it from deep, just because it is such a difference. And that mentality of, you know, when am I open, you know, how far uh, to shoot it from is a little bit different. So I'm not, like, three-point is not the thing I'm worried about, but seeing him do better in front of the basket... That's the stat to look at, I feel Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And I, I want to always hammer this home. This is like his second year of being a three-point shooter. Like, this <laughs> wasn't like a prolific high school three-point shooter who became a prolific college three-point shooter over several years. Who's, you know, like, his college sample was enough to tell us, like, the shot is real and he will get there. Uh, he didn't shoot in high school. So, like, that came out of nowhere that he was a high-volume three-point shooter in college. And it's, it's more the, uh, you know, what we're seeing now and what you have to latch on now is, like, the decision-making about when to shoot, when not to shoot. Um, like, yes, he's missing some, but usually he's taking the right shots. He's not usually forcing stuff up. Uh, he's got a couple of, like, pet spots that he really likes. Those are really good things for him to nail in early. And then it's like, okay... Uh, coming back from the ankle injury to start the year, you know he was putting up way too many threes. Right, didn't want to, didn't yeah. want to drive. We've seen him trade those threes for rim pressures, trade those threes for rim pressure, trade those threes for rim pressures, and now he's one of the better rim pressuring players in the league. Yeah, he's not. It's not amounting to enough yet because his finishing still up and down. He's you know he's figuring things out. And he can't get any fouls to save his life. And he cannot get any fouls to save his goddamn life. Uh. The one against the Hawks. I don't know if you saw the clips or or did you get a chance to watch that one live? I didn't get a chance to watch the Hawks one day, so I no, got the replay yet. of that. So there is there is a clip uh, on my timeline where uh, Trey Young gets switched onto him. Trey Young like does the reach from behind and ends up bear hugging him. Like Trey Young, both of Trey <laughs> Young's hands are like an inch from touching on the other side of Cade's abdomen. Mostly because Cade's such a bigger player. Like, I'm pretty sure if, if he was, like, any smaller, Trey Young would have literally touched his hands on this. Like, the most grabby of grabs. Uh, Cade breaks that, 
gets to the rim, gets like one of those like side swipe, uh, like block attempt, reach attempts that kind of like brushes his hair as the guy's arm goes over from a help defender. And then Capella does like the, I'm kind of vertical, but I'm jumping forward into you contest at the rim. All three of those are fouls. The last two are like 40, 60 calls that you, but like there's two of them. So you probably deserve a call. The Trey yep. Young one is a 100% of the time, every time that should be called. Now, Cade ends up making the lamp. It's a great highlight play for him. It shouldn't have happened because he should have gotten the foul <laughs> call. Like on one hand, I loved the highlight. On the other hand, if we're getting these calls on a regular basis, like he's going to suddenly like he should be averaging seven, eight free throw attempts. He should be like getting like a good six, seven points a game at the line every single game. It's ridiculous that he's not. Uh, there's some stuff where like officials are clearly waiting like four seconds to call things, mm-hmm. and it's just like what? Why? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't understand why rookies always have to get the shit kicked out of them because these are just obvious foul calls. And then, like, next year, I guarantee you, he'll just, like, randomly get, like, an extra, like, two calls a game. And everyone will be like, oh, he learned how to draw fouls. And it's like, no, yeah. he just isn't a rookie anymore. Like, wait three years from now when he's got some of, like, the James Harden bullshit in him. And, uh, <laughs> like, he starts drawing, like, 12 a game for a couple stretches because he's got that in him. I think that'll happen Oh, 100%. For him. 100%. Uh, that's when he's going to learn how to draw fouls, in air quotes. Uh, th- like the leap you see next year will just be the refs being like, ah, he's not a rookie anymore. I can't just screw him out. Right. Uh, I can't yep. get away with that anymore. It's, it's got to give him a call. Do every once in a while. Yep. Uh, the other thing is like the, the clutch stuff just keeps getting clutcher. I mean, it, it, it's weird. His clutch stats aren't good. Like you look at them on like the, the NBA.com clutch stats and you're like, Oh, that doesn't match the eye test at all. And then you go back and you watch the film. And it's like, Oh, that's cause he's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh, the stats are wrong every time. Uh, it's like, oh, he, he like, oh, he didn't shoot this. You know, he, he missed, you know, he, he's shooting like 40% in the clutch. You're like, oh, that's not right. And then you look and it's like, okay, yeah, he missed that. And he missed that, but he got three offensive rebounds on his own shot and put it back in. Kate's awesome. That's, you know, those are the kind of things that aren't really showing up maybe in the stat sheet that are, are just like clearly on the video. You're like, oh, right. This is, this is it. This is, he's, he's that guy. Well, against the the Hawks, what he finished with, fifteen points in the fourth quarter in overtime, like yeah, just that's, obscene. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but that's, the problem is that's the reason you win the game. You know, it's got to be within five minutes. So the fourth quarter, that's clutch stats. By the way, for anybody listening, clutch stats are stupid. Uh, it's really nice to have a guy who can like handle pressure, but you know what's better is the guy that blows the opposing team out in the first quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. So love that Cade dominates the fourth quarter. Uh, I wish he like blew them out like Steph Curry in the first more often. Yeah. I, I hope we get to that point because that's the clutchest you can be is just roasting the shit out of people and breaking them like and preventing them from wanting to play you again. He's a rookie. <laughs> give him time. He's got to figure we'll, out we'll you know, some of the guys he's going against. So that's, I think, I, I think partially, honestly, which is a compliment to Cade is that I, I feel like he, he comes in to the beginning of the game and he doesn't quite know how people are going to play him. But by the end of the game... He, like, knows when someone's going to close out and when he can go around or know how someone's going to play it when he drives to the left versus driving to the right. Like, I think that's just a compliment to Cade about him getting better down the stretch. And as he gets more accustomed to the league and accustomed to the players he's playing against, as well as the schemes that they're going to be throwing at him, 
it's just going to be better and better for him. So, yeah, we talked about it uh, when he came out of college, right? That he he's a, an elite processor, a guy who just accumulates information, always gets better down the stretch because he always learns from mistakes made earlier in the game. That's just who he is, uh, and it's it's. I mean, you see it. Every game, every single game, you see him figuring things out. You see him trying things. Um, yeah, I think I think something uh, a credit to Dwayne Casey is they've started like really, and they do this for Killian too. They're starting to run repeat plays where they run the same play three, four times in a row, and it's just like why? Oh, it's because Cade is picking the right decisions. He's making the right decisions. He's making reads. Casey's trusting him to just do. You know, the Luka Doncic thing, right? Um, and I think we're seeing it more and more with Killian now that Killian's starting to find, you know, a little bit more of a rhythm and a little bit more aggression. Is It's like, oh, you you managed to get downhill on that on that pick and roll. We're going to run the same pick and roll. We're going to let you pick the direction you're going to go. Uh, we're going to set up a pick and roll for you. And we're going to run it two, three times in a row. That wasn't happening at the start of the year. It was happening mm-hmm. a little bit for Cade, and it was definitely happening happening in times where Cade was calling his own shots. Uh, but it wasn't happening in the second quarter. You know, it was, it was a fourth quarter thing where it was like, okay, we're just going to let Cade try this, and Cade gets uh, like three straight baskets against the Raptors, uh, like the first win they had. Now yep. it's like, okay, we're going to run a second quarter offense that's just – Let's see what happens when we give Killian the same read three times in a row. Can he make the same the the right read three times in a row? And I think that's really beneficial for both of them. Mm-hmm. No, one hundred percent. Real quick before we move um, on past Cade, I, something I did notice, and we we talked about in the past, you know how much the Pistons have struggled rebounding the ball in the past four games for Cade: nine rebounds against the Wizards, twelve against the Raptors, nine against the Pacers, six against the. Hawks. Do you think that is a, a big development moving forward if we do keep Jeremy for another year and possibly beyond that? That we have a point guard who's a big plus rebounder? Both him, Killian, and Sadiq, right? All, all three guys that are really getting in there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that definitely helps. I do think that those those particular games uh, you weren't playing against elite rebounders. Uh, Capella maybe is, is Capella, the best but of the that bunch. You saw it kind of go down there. Um, and and I think it the helps. Have some Cade's... good rebounders. Hey, now, <laughs> who? Gafford and uh, Thomas Bryant are pretty good rebounders. Uh, the Wizards, yeah, but Wizards are also garbage. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, uh, it's the flight of the birds over here. Um, <laughs> the the well <laughs> I it definitely like it helps that they're that they're getting in there that they're crashing. Um, I think we're seeing. Um, we're seeing Cade be the low man in some situations, so he's able to rotate and rebound a little bit more. Uh, you know, it definitely takes some pressure off off Jeremy. I think we said that last week as well. That like Sadiq Bay going in there, hulking up, taking those those possessions over, is really making a big difference um, for for Jeremy mm-hmm. and 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 letting you get away with playing Jeremy in these some of these minutes. Yeah, and I feel like I've always. I've always liked a point guard who will get the defensive rebound and start the offense that way. That's what I always said in the in the kind of rust debate when it's like, oh, he's stealing rebounds from Steven Adams back on OKC. I'm like, well, he's also starting the break, and I feel like we've already had this argument before, but I do like having that. It's just, especially when well, it's not there's, directly there's, the there's There's definitely an advantage to that. My counter is that, like, 
You know what's even more advantageous is if you have a center like Steven Adams, if you just let him get the rebound and he throws it to your point guard who's already on the move, and now you have more numbers on the break. Well, I hate you know, to break like, it to you, but not everyone can you know throw passes like Steven Adams, Jokic, Kevin Love back in the day. Like Most I guess teams underrated... have a center that can actually make a... Because like, the, th- the thing about this is like the first pass in transition not usually a hard pass right we're talking like uh you're, you're an msu you fan so you've seen you've yeah. seen plenty of transition offense msu bigs the point guard isn't in the deep corner on the right it's the first pass is to the point guard who is crossing half court right uncontested crossing half court you know maybe they've maybe that pass is taking a defender out of the play and you're playing four versus three for a second and you get you get an advantage, right? That's the kind of stuff where it's like, okay, take if your if your guard is taking it off the rim and running, great. There's there's no problem with that, especially if the if the defensive floor balance isn't great. I do think that having a a big man boxing out specifically so that your guard can get the ball, which is what they were doing with Russ a lot, you're actually taking two people out of the play, and now you're trusting like, at that point in time, Russ had to go a hundred miles an hour to beat people at the floor, and he can do it. But, like, he was absolutely gassed after doing it because you were yeah. asking him to out. Like, if you just That's say, hey, Steven, on defense. <laughs> throw, this, throw this ahead to Russ and let Russ take the first, you know, three steps at half speed you know, that's, that's actually a big energy saver. So I, I, there's definitely an advantage. There's no question there's an advantage. But there's a question of, like, how much you want to, you know, rely on it, how structured you want to be about it. You know, is it is it just... Um, you know the, the the difference between letting that come to you and and making that you know a core feature of the offense is it can can be a pretty big thing to me. All right, let's move on. Next topic, your boy Jeremy. My boy Jeremy. <laughs> it, this is weird that you say that because like when Jeremy first came here and everyone was like really mad about the contract, I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? It's a fine deal. Like the deal is not bad." And I was like, Jeremy can also do all the things that, like, this is not bad. And now mm-hmm. it's like, but I don't want him anymore. I want the <laughs> other things. So so I've, I've without, like, well, ever think, really changing right. my opinion on Jeremy, I've, like, completely flip-flopped to the other sides of the conversation, which is normally how this works, that I end up devil's advocating for, like, the exact opposite of what everybody wants. But here's the thing. When we signed Jeremy, I think the thought from you and me and a lot of the people was that, yeah, it doesn't really make sense for this team. Like, he's not going to be a part of the core long-term, probably. He's a little bit older, a little bit past that. I think the thought for everyone was, it's good to get him at, like, a decent price. I feel like I thought, I said that we overpaid for him at first. It turned out I was the wrong way on that. But I feel like the reason you sign him on a pretty meh team is to trade him. And we failed to do that. I'm not blaming that on Jeremy. He can't. He can't get traded. No. He wasn't asking no. on his way. I don't think he enjoys it in Detroit, which is I, good. I just want but. to say for the record, at the time of the deal, I said, it's fine value. He's worth that. And like, if he makes any kind of leap, he will immediately become an extremely good asset. And mm-hmm. look, he became an extremely good asset that they just refused to trade, which I think is kind he of weird. He just became too whatever. good of an asset for <laughs> them to move on. And so, and so I, want, I want to give him some some props here in a second, but because we're on this... He's played a little better since the since the break. I think mm-hmm. he's fitting into the role a little a little better. Uh, still, some things to talk about there, but like, how much do you think this is 
Jeremy's figured it out that he's actually kind of maybe the third banana in the lineup and he's buying into that and he's ready for that. And how much of that do you think is uh, Troy Weaver saying, hey, I need you to nut the fuck up and play the way we need you to play so that I can trade you in the offseason? Like how much how much do you think is him buying into this is the long term project and how much do you think it's uh, my agent told me that if I don't play like this you know my coach told me if I don't play like this like I'm not gonna get rehabbed you you, you brought know. the agent into it that's the that's the appropriate like, term that I don't think it, I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think it's Casey being like you need to play this way otherwise you're not gonna be seeing the light of day I think it's a little bit his agent probably was like hey bud you want that next contract you. You're not going to be the star player, especially at your age. You're going to be a complimentary player, and you got to make sure you're playing complimentary to the people around you. Is Jeremy better than Cade as of now? It's close. No, no, between the two, it's not. It's not. And well, the simple, the simple, I'm the simple it's like reason, a score, like is that, like the simple reason is that people who create put a pressure on the defense, even even when Cade is not having a good game. The game plan is still, how do we stop this guy from executing in pick and rolls? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the problem with someone like Jeremy, is Jeremy is unfortunately very easy to to make, it, it's easy to make Jeremy do predictable things. He yeah. may score while doing a predictable thing, but this is just like, uh, you know, for example, in transition, if Jeremy Grant doesn't um, like have the ball picked up, and isn't like making a euro step move by the time he crosses like the free throw line, he's going to do that stupid spin and it's going to get stripped and it's going to go out of bounds. And that's very much on the scouting report. You can see it. Uh, people especially want him to spin. I think to his, to his, I think they want him to spin over the left shoulder going like right. Um, and like force him to his left. And it's just like one of those things where, because he's got tendencies, he's predictable. And so like when he's your primary, you just you just funnel him into these predictable spots and you're like, hey, he's gonna take a, an 18 footer because we Jeremy like he's Jeremy wants that. So if we give mm-hmm. him what he wants and what he wants is bad, <laughs> like and so the the reason is like you say, well, is he better than Cade or not? Like because Cade is a more adaptable player, because Cade's a better playmaker, like he's gonna impact a game plan way more than Jeremy does. Even if Jeremy's like a more efficient scorer right now, um, yeah. and that's just like that's uh, like Cade's gravity as a player. I guess it, I don't love using gravity like that, but like it's the it's the buzzword term people use, and like his gravity as a player and the way he impacts the way defenders think is just going to be a lot more impactful at that level. I forgot where I was going with my original point. I think we went way off the, <laughs> way off the original uh, thought on that tangent. Um, but I guess what I was more meaning to say was that Jeremy can go out there and get his all day long, no matter what else is going on. I think he's still got that ability, but I'm sure his agent and maybe Casey, maybe you know whoever else in the Pistons organization, or maybe it's just him himself being like, for me well, to get I... on that next team, I need to make sure I can play around someone, someone like Cade who's going to have the ball a lot. So that's my that's my two cents. Yeah, I I don't know if we talked about this yet, but like there have been pretty openly reported talks about like during the all-star break uh they everybody like had a powwow and they had a little bit of a of a clear the air session um you know that people are definitely going to attribute this this hot streak to and like i don't know 
you know, like team meetings are always. They have team people meetings all the like, damn time. People are like That's they had a closed door realize. team meeting, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? like? They have a meeting like probably three times a week. Like it's right. Well, yeah, and it's like okay, people aired their grievances, and like communication is important in the workplace. That's yada, what yada, yada, yada. And it's like, like oh, they had a they had a come to Jesus moment of this airing the problems out that they've had. That I take a little bit more like okay, and like, maybe something that went okay, on. but fine. the team meeting is like yeah, right. <laughs> But okay, like so, they they had maybe a more contentious team meeting where where maybe Dwayne Casey put some pressure on some guys to speak up about some issues they had. It's also just like there was certain obvious problems. Jeremy's buy-in to certain things being one of them. Uh, some schematic things. It's also like, hey, uh, Casey's made some huge changes. I think to the offense in the last couple of months. We've talked about the about how he's using Sadiq differently in these horn sets, for example, that he's getting Sadiq in comfortable spots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just mentioned how he's uh, he's running repeat sets for for Caden Killian and letting them kind of operate a little bit more. We're we're seeing more, um, you know, these these wrinkles around uh, Marvin Bagley that are definitely changing kind of the the dynamic on the floor. We're seeing what uh, uh, Kelly Olynyk does. Even Kelly has not played well, but just like Kelly, uh, clearly just like adds a level of like basketball intelligence that like Stu can't have on offense right now. And like when, when you get Cade and Killian and Kelly all ro- operating on the floor at the same time, like the ball movements, just like a big leap ahead of where it is just cause you have three smart players. Uh, so I don't know how much to attribute to the team meeting, but I also don't think it's entirely coincidental that like we have a different level of buy-in from Jeremy on certain levels of things. Um, like we are definitely see, seeing him take a back seat in the offense. He's definitely the third guy, the third option now. Yeah. Um, I do think that the stuff they run for him, where they call his number, is still the ugliest shit they run. Because uh, it almost always ends up in some mid post look. I don't really get why. Uh, <laughs> I, I when when he first came last year, we were running those like DHOs where he was like slashing down the lane and getting crazy finishes and dunks. And it just feels like we don't see those anymore. I don't really understand if that's cause he's being scouted. I, I haven't paid enough attention to be like, is he coming off these and getting different looks from the defense or is he just not taking them the same way? Or are we just not running? I, I guess it's a, it's a question I haven't answered yet, but we need a little more time in the film room to figure that one out. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wish that like, you can always tell it's the play that they called for Jeremy because Jeremy just ends up with the ball at the elbow. <laughs> just, yeah, just sitting at the elbow. <laughs> shot, and you're just like, why the, Why is that in the playbook? Other than get Jeremy touches. It's like the, the Andre Drummond like post-touch that didn't need to happen. Oh, that can lead really us down a deep and dark road. Do you, do you have any, any Jeremy thoughts before we move on? I think we talked about the gist of it. Just, okay. I'm liking what he's you know brought to... Brought since coming back these past couple weeks from the All Star break, past couple days, not weeks, I don't know. And like I said, we'll. Just, <laughs> I'm still hoping that this is that the rest of this season is just kind of a tryout for what team he's going to be on next. I like Jeremy, but it's just <laughs> this timeline doesn't fit. Is all. I'm not mad that he's piston, but it would make the most sense for everyone if he was moving on to a title contender next year. So we'll see. And we might talk about that more in our in our prospect of the week segment here coming up. Um, do you, do you have anything more we need to talk about for Sadiq other than just like Sadiq continuing the fact that we're basketball. really happy? I am happy. I have him on my fantasy team. 
It's been great. Much success. <laughs> great Much success. success. That's great success. Uh, <laughs> I will say uh, Bryce Simon, Motor City Hoops, did a great uh, breakdown on uh, DBB of his um, his defense. And I do think that that's something we've, like, skated over a little bit. It's like Sadiq is actually, like, a really terrible perimeter defender. Like, really <laughs> bad uh, on the perimeter. He's, 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 like, smart in rotations. But, like, if he's got somebody, like, 1v1 isolation on the perimeter, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something I, I, I will hope uh, he works on in the offseason. But, like, other than that, the leaps he's made offensively and just, like, the, the level of engagement he's had. I do think he's, his off-ball defense has been pretty good. I'm just so happy to see Sadiq continuing to thrive uh, yep. and, and make big strides. Uh, we we can move on, I guess, to one of the other uh, rookie classmates then, Isaiah Stewart. Stu! We, we, we did get good news today. Okay, that's the news, news. on this. Yeah. Uh, it is just, air quotes, just a bone bruise for Isaiah Stewart after the uh, knee knocking hyperextension from last night. I was, I'm shocked at that. That yeah. was one of the gnarliest it looking. Looked knees. so bad. <laughs> uh, just like several degrees of hyperextension and some vet, like valgus pressure that just like those are usually grade two sprains. So uh, if if all we get is a bone bruise, that's great. Also, this front office has definitely said thing before. And just like it's not been that thing, so we'll see what whatever. But uh, it's yeah. it's become more common in the NBA for me to just be like, "Huh, you you said that was three weeks, and it was twelve. It's so. insane this year, especially like I said, I had talked about you know Sadiq was fantasy, but my God, ever everyone in fantasy is like, oh, they'll be out three to four weeks, three to four weeks later, and update. He's gonna be out two to three more weeks. Update it's, and yeah. one or two. It's like what the. F- do we know what timelines and sh- are anymore? Shall we, shall we bring Zion back up again? And all of the like <laughs> magic numbers that they just throw out. Uh, Zion Zion's a great f- example. Four weeks with a foot injury. And Zion's in the corner like, I haven't even talked to my doctor yet. Like, what are you talking about? But it's great. Zion is in his own planet. But even like a Paul George, like, I have Dylan Brooks who's been like out with an yeah. ankle injury no, for like a month no and a half. No clue whether either of the Clippers' wings is going to be back for the playoffs this year. I still no clue. hold that I think at the very least Paul George is, depending on how bad the injury is. But I don't think the Clippers. I have literally any haven't heard Kawhi's name mentioned like at all. People are like Kawhi is a it's player. Kawhi. Did you know Kawhi exists? It's Kawhi. <laughs> like it makes sense, but they don't have their pick. It's being traded to the Thunder. They're going to try and make the playoffs. Yeah, like, uh, no I don't know why people are like, oh, they're going to tank. It's like, no, they're not. They're going to try and make the playoffs. That's what the trade was with the Trailblazers earlier, was to try and get into the playoff run. So I'm still holding out hope that Paul George will be back. I, the thing is, like, I don't know what this injury like. I hear people saying, like, oh, in baseball, this guy would be out for like 16 months. And I'm like, well, it's not baseball. What, what does he even have? I have no idea what he has. It's some I don't, elbow, I he's out. something or another. I don't know. Does it's he a, have a Tommy so John confusing. issue? I th- I don't know if it is or not. I feel like it sounds like it is. Because okay. everyone keeps talking about it's baseball. I'm like, it's not baseball, first off. But why is it like six to eight weeks in basketball and like two years in baseball? I don't know. Well, it's a that's a different level of stress if you're a pitcher. <laughs> a little bit, yes. But it's still like, it's not a the little same bit? motion. But it's still like... Uh, uh, uh. Throwing a basketball is like a release of energy from your kinetic chain, from your legs, from your core. It's not the same level of stress, but if you're... You're not doing this. 
if you if it's Tommy John stuff, the amount of shit you put your wrist through when you pitch at ninety miles an hour is insane. I can't. I've I've seen like just enough slow mos of people pitching to want to vomit and never see them again. It's vile stuff. Uh, watching someone's forearm, which is made of bone, flex like twelve degrees is not good. <laughs> and those are healthy pitchers. That's just a normal pitching That's motion. That's not even guys who get hurt. It's terrifying. I don't like it. We uh, we got to talk about the positive things for Stu though, which is that I think they've really found they've really found uh, a new a new thing for him, which is the the highway screen. So have you mm-hmm. have you caught up on the the highway screen mania that has gripped? Uh, yep, the I was <laughs> I was about to say I was on Twitter uh, this past I would say like weekend, and yeah, that's all I fucking saw from Piston Twitter was highway screen, highway screen, highway screen. I'm like, what? Where did this come from? Why is this just now a thing that everyone wants just, to talk about? All like once? James writes about it in the Athletic and mentions it once, and now everyone just oh, like James becomes started. A, that makes yeah. sense. And, that checks out. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where like a couple of us were like, "Hey, have you seen that Stu's doing this thing?" And then James is like, "I'm gonna write an article about it." And he talks to to Casey and stuff and writes an article about it. Uh, and by the way, I'm not trying to imply that like James like sees Pistons Twitter shit and is like, "I'm gonna do that for an article." It's just coincidental. But like, James he writes an article on the James has his finger on the pulse. And shout out to James. Yeah, he's sure. Amazing. Uh, but but he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna write an article about this and then everyone becomes a film expert and they're like Do you see all the all the highway screens Do you see all the highway screens So it's like Yo, I've been flipping highway screens point. all year Like this is de- but there's like definitely a pickup in how they're using it There's definitely a um I think a a, a better job by Cade and Killian Like the guards are starting to figure out how to do it and the, they're yeah. starting to like time. Killing you know, and structure them yeah. better because it was always like Stu would just like ah, I'm not going to get the ball here I might as well like rescreen my man down low that was always it. but like the the change is that like this is a planned thing mm-hmm. um, James did lie to me he said he was going to tell me uh, um, what the, the like hand signal is for it because he was like yeah no this is definitely like a we were t- chatting on Twitter earlier and he's like this is definitely a structured thing they have a hand signal. I forget what it is. When I see it tonight, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, I did see that. The liar. The liar did not tell me. Um, Hold James accountable for his actions and his words. Right. Tell We're me what the hand signal is. storm the athletic. Because that's one of the things that, like, I can watch uh, the, the clips, the game, or the coach. I can watch one of those with both eyes, one of those with half an eye, and, like, the other one I can't watch. And normally it's I watch the game with, like, half an eye, clip the shit out of everything, and I do not watch the bench. And then I get, like, Koo, who's like, hey, can you clip this thing that was, like, not a play? And I'll be like, no, why would I have clipped that? And he's like, because the coach went crazy. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I am busy. There's, like, 65 of these in the chamber. I have to clip things. Uh... But anyway, I, I do think the big thing is, um, like, to get the highway screens right, Cade, Killian, Kojo, the key is you have to know when to snake, and, like, you have to know how to pace yourself, you have to know, to, like, you have to hold up, you have to you have to uh, get your man in jail, you have to give Stu time, but there's also, like, uh, which direction you snake in, right? Because if you get in Stu's way, you've screened yourself. And that was a big issue for a long time. Stu would be kind of trying this on his own, and the guards didn't really know it. 
So thankfully, it seems like Casey has been like, hey, when you come off this direction, he's going to go here. You're going to go here. Don't fucking move until he's here. Like, and that's, you know, good coaching. It's like finally being like, hey, here are the rules. Mm-hmm. There are rules for how we run this. These are the rules. Uh, it seems like guys are finally starting to learn the rules. Cage especially has has really figured it out. But we've also seen, um, I think I think we're seeing Killian uh, starting to, to figure some of this these angles out as well. He's had a couple of nice finishes coming around the, the highway screens. So, um Mm-hmm. We yeah I, I guess we we hope that uh, Stu is back on the court highway screening soon, uh, and it's it's yep. been a good development. And then what's we got? We want to talk about next. Oh, uh, there's there's one more name on the list, right? There's three more names on the list. Oh, I don't know shit, what. I had, looking... Wow, I filled this list out a lot of a lot of names. Yeah, um, do you want a pat on the back over there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. This this should be your job. Past Jake over here making sure the future Jake has plenty to talk about. Shout out to Past Jake. Definitely not shout outs to Webster. Shout outs to Past Jake though. Never get that. <laughs> no shout outs for you. Uh, which on. one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's see. Let's continue with Bagley. The kind of the Bagley. Uh, so, so what have you seen from Bagley? <laughs> I love your first point. He jump. <laughs> he jump. He do jump. He jump. He jump. He go up. And he come back down, and then he go up again. It's great. Uh, yeah, I, lobs, lobs are fun. Uh, it's so much fun to watch. The the uh, the the Cade just like being like ah fuck it, I'm I'm crossing half court, and you're kind of open. I'm just gonna lob it. To you. Those are great. I love those. Killian, I think, has been like a little scarred by the amount of lobs that have like not been converted and has not been like super aggressive lobbing it yet. Cade mm-hmm. has been like full court lobbing to Marvin Bagley like once a game. That's great. I love that. I love that quite a bit. I like that he finally made a three after all the ones I feel like he's taken. It's been driving me a little insane. Cutie? I, I don't know. Uh, he definitely made I, one. I do remember it. Uh, yeah. I, I don't care if he shoots. I don't need him to shoot. Uh, I don't particularly want him spotting up to shoot because that means he's not oh. rolling to the rim. So My, I was just more annoyed that he had taken so many threes without ever making one. That was kind of eh. annoying me. Like, if you're going to sit back there, at least make one. I'd rather you don't, but at least make one. <laughs> the one where he like tried to like take like a step back, I was like, well, why, why? Why? He he tried one of those in the Hawks game, which I, I am now remembering. You did not see. Uh, he did also make one in the Hawks game off the catch, which was nice. Um, yeah, I don't. Again, I don't care if he shoots. Uh, if he puts up one or two a game because they're like wide open, fine. I don't care. Uh, just do more of the jumpy jumps, and we'll be fine. Um, yep. We have started to see the trend, which we knew was the trend if you if you watched him with the Kings. But like uh, Marvin Bagley on the right block is a very sad person. He doesn't really <laughs> like it there. Uh, he does not like to like. Uh, go over his right shoulder middle he wants to face you up and race you to the rim so when he's on the left block and he can he can go baseline and face up much mm-hmm. happier Marvin Bagley uh, does not enjoy being on the right block uh, luckily it seems like I, I don't think we've seen a lot of offense like designed to put him there um, which it I is definitely kind of, I, like okay. I get the you want to be if he's a lefty on the left block he's trying to get away from the help defense that's coming around but I feel like, just thinking in my head, I feel like a lot of people 
usually like to be on the left block because they're right-handed and they can go to the right. Yes. And be but in the he does not. He does not like yeah. hook shots. Yeah. So he does, he doesn't like he doesn't like his hook shots, uh, and he will not go over his left shoulder with the right. Uh, so he doesn't have like a drop step on that side. So it's just like he would rather like he's doing the same kind of rip through moves that like Sadiq Bey is doing, right? That's mm-hmm. what he wants to do, and he will he'll he'll manufacture a lefty layup in the weirdest ways. But he doesn't wanna he doesn't wanna use that right hand, mind you. Like once a game, he will try like a right handed reverse going under the rim, and I'll just be like, what the hell is this not? And every time I see it, I'm like, why? Why is this the choice? Like last last night, he definitely had one where I thought he could either a do the like uh, 180 rever- like spin layup with the left, and he just like tried to do the blind righty reverse, and I was like, no, that's bad. I don't I don't get you, Marvin. But this is why Marvin Bagley isn't like, you know, um, why he didn't extremely sought uh, after. <laughs> right why why we managed to get him for pennies is that like marvin bagley does some shit sometimes we're like what the fuck are you doing marvin um i i also would like to to talk i guess a little bit about the defense um it's been interesting to watch them switch with him they've just basically been like we're gonna switch everything we've mm-hmm. talked about why the switching everything is not my favorite for <laughs> multiple reasons but it is interesting that they're like we're not gonna drop no, no, no dropping of any sort with Marvin Bagley. Uh, he doesn't know how to do it. There have already been several issues, including the uh, the lob contest in the Hawks game, where he just like thinks that his defense for contesting a, a, a sideline out of bounds lob pass is to just forearm shiver John Collins in the throat. It's not how we cover that, buddy. Like. Uh, any any NFL defensive back will tell you that like you do have to at least like look at the ball. <laughs> yeah, like, you can head. hit him in the face as long as that you are facing away by the time you make contact. It's all legal then. Don't worry about it. Uh, just like there's there's been some things, but it is interesting that like they were very willing to let both him and Stu switch out onto Trey Young. This is one of the reasons where I thought the Hawks just like played badly because. Trey Young routinely got wide open step backs that he normally shoots like 40% on and he shot like yep. 20% on them, but they're willing to do it. So it's just kind of interesting to see if that continues or if they try and, and restructure things. That's They're definitely doing the switching because I think they're trying to see how good Stu is there. I think they mm-hmm. like Stu in a drop, but I think they really want to see if they can weaponize him on yeah, switches to mixed effects. Yeah, just seeing what else you can do. I lost him. Oh, is he back? He's back. back. We're cool. I lost you. What are you talking about? Aw. (laughs) This is not a visual podcast. (laughs) This is all getting cut anyways. What does it matter? No. No, no, no. All right. I don't do that anymore. We're professionals now. We don't audio engineer anything. (laughs) Let's go to the person that you would like to show the heart uh, hand signal to, which is Killian Hayes. I, I just, we're, I'm having fun. Yep. Uh, can we play bad defenders all the time? <laughs> it's really <laughs> yeah. fun when, uh, uh, we've we've said this before about killing, but like it's really, really, really fun when he just like clearly does not give a fuck who you are. Like he's he looks at Trey Young and he's like, that guy is not defending me. <laughs> he just like we goes de- after him. 
He looks a little mellow, and he's like, French "Nah, accent. that dude." <laughs> and there are certain there are certain big men where he's just like, mm, "No, I don't. I, mean, I do I not like fear the... fear you, Nikola Vucevic. Not even a little bit." <laughs> I feel like he did that, that a little bit against the Wizards as well with Ish and uh, uh, there was some Neto. Of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Neto especially, he was like, "This dude is also European. This motherfucker, I can cook this." He's Brazilian. Kid. Oh no! Is he, oh, didn't, no. He, didn't Neto come from the Spanish? I don't know league? where he came from, but I know he was Brazilian. He, he from, if 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 he didn't come from the Spanish league, I'm sorry, Neto. It doesn't matter. He has a Spanish name or a Portuguese name. And it doesn't matter. Killian was like, <laughs> was "That dude get, is in my weight class," and don't I don't get feast. all of Brazil pissed at us now. They don't listen to us. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but so we're, we we keep seeing him be uh, aggressive. That's great. Okay, he did come from Spain. I'll give you that. Okay, good. That uh, half counts. <laughs> boom. Um, three made jumpers against the Hawks. I don't give a fuck that one of them was after the clock. I don't give a fuck that the foot was on the line for one of the other ones. Three made jumpers. That's nice to see. Um, the passing has been like just insane did you see the yep. one to uh um magruder was this no? the hawks game I don't yeah think so. i see uh, this is why i put him on the timeline for it come on man he the, <laughs> it's, it's a full speed it's a full speed transition run he gets all the way under the rim and like i think he's just doing like a little wraparound dump pass and then i think oh no he's doing like another a further wraparound to Marvin Bagley, who's like at the elbow coming in, uh, trailing. And instead, it's a freaking laser through like eight people to Rodney Magruder on the break, who has like four seconds to just like do whatever he wants, loads up and bricks the three. And I was just like, Mike, it was one of the craziest passes I've seen Killian make. And I was so not happy <laughs> that, that Rodney bricked it. But just like we keep seeing the more aggressive he is, the more help he draws, the more fun he has. Uh, I think fun he's still. Watch. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, because he's not able to generate as much, you know, threat offensively, we don't see as many uh, options created for him. I do think, like, when he has options, I do think he's the better passer between him and Cade. I just think, like, there are things he sees, things he tries that are just, like, at a different level. Cade is so mechanical and, like, so good at seeing the right thing. But there's a level of like willingness to do bullshit that you need to be a certain kind of passer, and especially like Kate is really good. The Denzel Valentine special, I feel like. <laughs> the, the, like Kate is really good, and maybe even better than Killian. Probably better than Killian at like the the stuff like uh, guard to big in the pick and roll, like like really tight space stuff. But mm. when it comes to like making the kick out off the dribble, there's some stuff that Killian tries. I'm just like I don't know how you saw this. I don't know how you got this through this tangle of arms. Uh, I don't know how you managed to get that much velocity on the ball. Uh, the lo- the passing location is usually really good. It's just such a special, special passer. And I really hope we start to see this aggressiveness and this, this the shooting hopefully comes back. But just that we start to see this compound and compound and compound into into something even better. Yeah, I totally, I actually don't completely disagree with your take on him being a better passer than Cade. I think that says a lot. <laughs> surprisingly I don't get a lot of pushback when I say that like I've, I've had a lot of people who are not Killian fans be like no I think he is a better passer I just think like you know he, he sucks so I'm like what the fuck but like, it's what it is I'm fine alright we got one last player to do 
It's another one of your boys. Tell me about Isaiah Livers. He shoot the ball. <laughs> the ball he go shoot in the ball. He steals the ball. He played the defense. It's it's yeah. It's great. He's he's absolutely no different than he was at Michigan. He shoots yep. the ball. He plays defense. He talks. Uh, we now have a multi-game sample size that Isaiah Livers remains. Isaiah Livers has not been body snatched. Uh, remains the same person, and it's great. I love that. I love that for for everything about it, because it's just the kind of guy you want on your team. I don't know that you have to like say much more about Isaiah Livers other than it's really fun to have Isaiah Livers. It is. I just like that we have him on a cheap deal for the next what <laughs> two years after this. Yeah, I don't, and... I don't remember what that what the deal is. Well, it's usually rookies are three three years, with the third year being like a team option. No, it's, it, he was a second rounder, so it's whatever the fuck. Or a second rounder, to... give him. So, um, there's, there's parameters. It it, it does just make me sad that like he's not a, um, like it, it. Seeing him be this good just reminds me that he missed the end of the that Michigan season, and like and how been much like a... Michigan lost because they would have been so much better. Like they lost everything when he went out because they would lost that like last connective tissue piece that made everything click mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah him and franz would have been that really been good a terror in the in the ncaa tournament and what they could have really used to as lost in the elite eight right to i don't remember i don't know I, these are the <laughs> details that escape me i didn't pay much attention to the college basketball tournament last year and i don't think i will you this want year me to either. tell you whether a guy is is more of a dump off guy or a hook pass guy or whether he passes with two hands i remember this shit you want me to remember what happened in a game i watched three days ago it's it's foggy <laughs> i have to write it down all right we've spent way too much time talking about that let's go quickly through the things that we want to see moving forward uh, i guess these are just questions and questions for you maybe where does the rotation go from here? Because we definitely want to see Livers get time. Hami needs to get time. Frank needs to get time. When do we see Chris Smith? Rodney maybe is falling away a bit, and so maybe that opens up a spot. But, like, how do we get Tank? <laughs> and it's weird, too. Because we don't... How? I think we have, like, one back-to-back coming up for the for literally the rest of the year. So I haven't even looked. It's hard to kind of say, like, oh, we'll rest, you know, some people that, some people then, some people later. So that's going to be tough to see. I think it's just going to have to rotate a little bit, maybe give some guys a day off. Because we got to make sure that, you know, we stay below the, especially the Thunder, but hope, hopefully we can make it back underneath the Rockets or the Magic. Because I know the Rockets especially have had, they've had some sparks. They've looked, they, they looked good, I think, recently. Uh, who did they beat? Was it the Lakers? They beat someone recently. That was like the Jalen Green is Jalen Green is good game. Did he have like a thirty point banger? To go back to my fantasy 30? team that I have, I have him on there as well, and he's been pretty good. So that's why I feel like they've been doing good. That's partially what I've been okay. looking at. He's been pretty good recently because there was recently. a while where he was not pretty good, <laughs> which is um, why he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> so I sure result in draft. I guess one of the questions is like. How many more excuses do you have to make for Kojo before you just play Saban? I I don't know why Kojo is like, really on the team. Because, like, I'm not that into Saban. But, like, come on. Because <laughs> Kojo is the tank commander, and Dwayne Casey loves him with all his heart. That is why. That's why he's playing. It's <laughs> the only explanation that really makes sense for the most part. My favorite part is you lagged out the entire segment, and I just know what you said was that Dwayne Casey loves him. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> You were just a blur. 
and robot noises, but I know that what you said was Dwayne Casey loves him. We've been over it a time or two, I feel like. Uh, but, like, Kojo has been so bad defensively, and, like, he's been a good shooter, but, like, he's also not been good playmaking. He's been bad. Like, he's just yep. been not good at anything other than catch-and-shoot looks. And it's like, okay, you need to tank. Uh, you have a little bit of an investment in Saban. When does that transition come? Because, like, it's kind of hard to, to figure out why you wouldn't at this point. Um, and then I guess the question I wanted to ask you then is, do you put Saban in as a starter and just, like, fill Kojo's minutes if you were to do that? Or do you move Killian back into the starting lineup if you if you play Saban? I think you've got to start uh, Killian. Yeah? I think so. The way he's Even been though playing, he plays better off the bench? you just got to see if the way he's been playing can hold up with him in the starting lineup. And, I mean, it shouldn't make... It shouldn't be the end of the world. It shouldn't be that big of a difference. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, to me, I don't actually think he's playing better off the bench. I just think the team is actually, like, cohesive in a way it wasn't before. And yep. that's... So, I'm fine with him starting, but... Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily, like, him being better off the bench. I think it's also due in part to, hey, he's had, you know, 50 games under his belt or whatever it's at. Like, that kind of helps. Yeah. Who knew? All right. You've, you've got some around-the-league news you wanted to cover? Yes. So, real quick, we're going to fly through these. Everyone's back. KD's back. Oladipo's back. Porzingis is back. I'm happy. Porzingis looks good as a wizard. I've got a one-game sample size, and that's all I care about. So Yeah, it's enough. Go Wiz. Try and get the 10th <laughs> spot from... Uh... Do, do you hear yourself when you say that out loud? Go Wiz. Like... That's why I'm saying it. That's gross. It's gross. It's I don't like it. I don't don't like make it. me bring the banana back. It's gross back. for you. It's strangely phallic. I don't like it. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, Pop. He is now tied Don Nelson's record with a hundred. Excuse me, a thousand three hundred and thirty-five career wins. Uh, that was Monday in their upset of the Lakers. Is it an upset? Is it really an upset? I don't know if it's an upset. I don't think um, so. <laughs> we'll let Vegas decide, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, if they're not, well, they're probably pretty close in the standings, but, so that means, of course, that he's going to break the record this year. Congrats to Pop. We love the Pop. We, we don't know how much longer the, the Pop will be around. This year. Which yeah. record? For most career wins, because he's now tied. Oh, oh, he tied. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Okay, he has Jake to win one more game out of 19. Yeah, 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 he'll break it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> The Spurs I'm, aren't I'm, that bad. I'm, caught, I'm back up to speed. And lastly, my game of the week. Hopefully this gets out in time. Hint, hint. Uh, it's going to be Wednesday night, a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last year. The Hawks play at the Bucks. I wanted to give a better game, but there really wasn't. It was either this or the Cavs play the Heat on Friday and the... It's like the Nets or something like that. Someone else... Maybe the Bulls on Saturday or vice versa. And I'm like, the Cavs without... Uh, Oh, God, now I'm blanking on Garland. his name. Garland is rough, especially back-to-back. I can't, I can't give those the game of the week, so I guess it's got to be the Hawks. I think we get the... Uh, I think we get Net Sixers this week. So uh, I Do don't we? think Ben Simmons is playing, but I, I just saw a, a blurb maybe on Reddit or something that Ben Simmons is going to take the bench. 
while they play. Oh, I do remember seeing that. Maybe that's tonight. That, that, Which is that like, is. ooh. I didn't see that on my ooh, list. Ooh, spicy. Uh, watch whatever Dallas is doing because Luca's really good. Nope, that's uh, Thursday. Luca's been my apologies. On absolute tear. So. That should be the that should be the game. I, I fucked up. I didn't see that game. It's a good game of the week. Yeah, uh, it's on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to lead us into the uh, our, our prospect of the week, and we'll close this one out. Yep, sure thing. So, our prospect of the week, which I feel like we said last week, but uh, Jake said we haven't. I guess I don't know if we said it or not. On the pod. I don't know if you announced it, but you still got to announce it here. You got to lead into the segment. Come on, be a professional. But you're not the getting paid player for this. <laughs> of the week that we are looking to talk about is none other than Jabari Smith, who is a freshman uh, from the University of Auburn, coached by Bruce Pol- Bruce Pearl. Bleh. And I absolutely love that <laughs> Bruce Pearl is still a coach in the NBA or the it's, college basketball. It's hilarious. I. Uh, People should go listen to uh, uh, the Pistons Pulse. That's uh, Bryce Simon, Motor City Hoops' new podcast with Omari Sankofa. And just listen to Bryce's story about meeting Bruce Pearl once when he was playing because it's hilarious. And it, like every he's told it like two or three times now. Every time I just laugh at him. Uh, you, can, you, can you go so far as to give us the, uh, the, the biographical breakdown for Jabari? Can you, sure can thing. you give us the... So he the is stats. currently 18.8 years old. He's going to be 19.10 by the time the draft comes, so very young, I would say, there. Very young. He is 6'10", 210. He was the number six prospect, according to the ESPN Top 100, which I don't know why Tankathon lists that as the thing. That kind of annoys me. Um, but why? he is currently projected to be the second overall pick, according to Tankathon, I believe, behind Chet. But they have been bouncing Correct. around, the three of them, um, all throughout the year. I don't know. What else do you want to do? <laughs> biographically but i think i hit everything no 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 it's good it's good you make me do all the talking so it's nice when you when you take a whole 30 seconds to yourself it's it's interesting why why does the i'm a giver. 100 number uh make you make you mad because it should be freaking 24 7 that's the that's the go-to now wow okay it, it either way it's just a it's a it's good to have a prior uh sample on there right it's good to have a uh so it's always good to know where guys were coming into the year so that you can understand, like, did this guy come out of nowhere? Was he always, you know, how much how much are priors factoring into somebody's expectations of a player? Mm-hmm. Um, so so where do we start with, with Jabari? It, it's It's got to be just the fact that he's, like, the most insane shooter. Yep. Like, just, I, I can't think of a... <laughs> I can't think of a draft that I've done with a shooter that was just more obviously an insane shooter than him. Like Trey young, for example, right. A guy like an insane shooter off the dribble. But like the thing about Jabari is he cannot really create his own shot, but it doesn't even matter when he's covered. It does not matter if he picked the ball up off the ground and is bent halfway over his ability to align himself in midair is pretty much unparalleled Mm -hmm. it's curry-esque it's clay thompson-esque uh he shooting off movement uh shooting off weird positions you will look at him and you'll be like he's gonna break an ankle on this and then suddenly he's you know a couple inches off the ground and in a perfect line and the ball is going to the rim with 
touch and you it it blows the mind every time you see it because it's just you shouldn't be able to shoot like that and when you're talking about doing it at 610 you end up with like exactly. kevin durant comparisons uh those are bullshit just for the record yeah he's uh, not the same athlete i would say from looking at the two of them and KD's a little bit taller as well KD's so. a little taller KD's a little longer i think more yeah. importantly KD is an elite ball handler an sure. elite ball handler KD's entire shtick is not that he's a good shooter which he is his entire shtick is that it does not matter how you want to defend him he can get wherever he wants to on the floor that is jabari's problem he cannot get whatever wherever he wants to on the floor uh with the ball in his hands you can you can cut him to places you can you know you can set a, a flare or a pin down to get him open on the wing you know he can catch it at the elbow and start to operate from the elbow but really, wherever he catches it is where he's going to operate from. He's had like 15 self-created rim attempts all season. Mm-hmm. And most of those are really transition rip and runs, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, the ones that I've seen is just where he gets he gets open and he gets ahead of steam and he just plows right past everyone. It's not that he's doing some great setup. It's just he gets off a screen and can go or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, my guy uh, Red Alternates on Twitter, uh, who also does great clips of, of Pistons games, um threw one on the timeline this uh last night where like he did kind of like the Sadiq Bay thing where somebody came up like really into his body and he ripped through and like did kind of a drop dribble into like an open lane and then chased that down and, and basically that was a, a one dribble like dunk for him and it was that was like a big deal because it's like the first time I've seen him try something like that um so like that's a big a big deal you know how do you uh, and I, how, how do you parse uh, a prospect who's not a great passer uh he's not mm-hmm. lacking in vision but a big part of being a good passer right is the ability to collect the ball on the move make live dribble passes right if you're only a standstill passer and you don't have like a post threat uh like th- you're just not gonna create like once uh, Jabari gets the ball at the elbow, there's no real need to double him because you don't have to worry about him moving. You get a, you know, you hopefully your matchup on him is long and is just kind of standing in front of him doing the, the the car salesman, uh, you know, inflatable guy waving up in front, uh, in front of him and just like, if he shoots over you, he shoots over you and he's probably going to make it because he's he's an elite shooter. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do some complex defense against him once he's caught the ball because you've already uh, won or lost the possession then, right? You've either made him catch it in a position he doesn't like it or you haven't, in which case he's going to do a little jab or whatever to clear himself and he's going to go up with it. That's what he does. Um, and so, like, you do have to ask the question, of like, all right, what is the offensive ceiling? What's the role for this player? How much, how much can you run through Jabari. Uh, this I've gotten into a lot of fights with Jabari or, or over Jabari with people because I think there's a very clear delineation between shot creation and shot making. And they often mm-hmm. blend together for for your primary creators who are creating their own shot and then making that shot. But like Jabari doesn't create shots. Like almost not doesn't happen. Uh, he has shots created for him by an offense. He has shots that are assisted by his teammates. He doesn't really create shots. He, if if you're wide open, especially if you're a big man, he loves to pass to um, 
Uh, you're going to say a name that I have no idea. Okay, sure. Uh, how do you not? He, he was at UNC last year. He's he's like seven foot three. He's huge. Uh, he's the best shot blocking big in college basketball. You have not. Wow, that's really bad, man. I don't Walker watch SEC basketball or Walker. Kessler's probably going to be a first round pick this year just because he's so like he's blowing uh, shot blocking numbers out of the water this year for college basketball. He's like the best rim protector anyone has seen. He he's like putting up. Numbers that make Chet Holmgren Lord, holy pathetic. shit. Uh, four and a half blocks a game. That's not bad. Yeah, in in the SEC, like not a cupcake league by mm-hmm. by any means. Like a league full of grown adult human beings. Uh, Walker Kessler is really good, and I and I actually I fully buy him as an NBA uh, rotation player. Yeah, um, and I thought, and the thing and the thing is because he's there, uh, and because like Auburn is a really weird situation for Jabari because he has. It's a Bruce Pearl team, all right? And if you've, if you've watched Bruce Pearl teams before, you know what happens is Bruce Pearl gets one, preferably two guards who are batshit insane shot creators, and they just go and do batshit insane stuff. It happens every time he has a good team. His guards just take and make a lot of tough shots, which means the rest of the team generally has, like, good open looks if the guards pass, which means mm-hmm. that Jabari ends up with a lot of, like, good looks and a lot of offense and also ends up standing in the corner while guards do dumb shit but when they actually run like nice structured offense they have this this really great look where they have this walker kessler kid who's you know like a giant of a man an elite rim threat um you know much like a zach Eady is for purdue if you've watched a lot of purdue i have watched um, too much purdue than i would like to <laughs> yeah so so and because of that, they get this pick and roll threat where like Jabari's spacing up outside of pick and roll, and this is where he's like elite, right? If you have yeah. Jabari in the God weak side there. corner yeah. of your pick and roll, you can't, or the strong side corner, what in a corner on your pick and roll, it doesn't really matter where. <laughs> what he do you get a catch and shoot three? Yeah, you you cannot help off with Jabari. Like you immediately know you are playing four on four basketball with a like a some open space very clearly defined for you in a way like that isn't something that happens unless you're like the warriors and you have clay thompson right most teams do not get the luxury of having that kind of spacing right that's it's what uh kevin love does for uh you know the those Cavs championship teams right it's what Mm -hmm. porzingis is supposed to do uh will be doing maybe yeah you know the bradley beal daniel gafford pick and rolls god damn it Davis Bertans, right? Davis Bertans got way too much fucking money for being a tall dude who could sit in the corner and shoot forty percent on threes. He did that for on one year, <laughs> and he did it for one year. Like Dallas we're talking about a we're talking about a six ten dude who is every bit as good a shooter as that, every bit. A guy who can also run off screens, like the stuff like Kevin like Kevin Love is a good comparison for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kevin Love is I think a much better post threat and passer. I was gonna say skinny Kevin, skinny Kevin Love is a yes. is a good comparison. Like Cavs, Kevin Love, especially the way that he's been used more recently, where he's mostly just like being used as a shooter and occasionally as a passing hub. Um, those those looks that you get for Kevin Love, where you're kind of really playing with the defense by having this tall forward, those are things you can do with Jabari, and mm-hmm. that's really scary for a defense. Um, the question is, how do you leverage that into him creating shots for others? And what, where does that ceiling get you? And you, right now, I don't really see it for him. 
He cannot dribble. Uh, he's an okay passer, but again, you don't. He just isn't creating looks for others. Uh, you get up into his body, and and like he doesn't really get doubled even at the college level because what's the point? So there's not there's not outlets for him. He just shoots. Um, mm-hmm. So so there's that. I I do think uh, defensively, like his hip fluidity, his lateral mobility, is awesome. He is a legit uh, perimeter defender. Uh, I think there are some people who see 6'10 and they go, he can play center. He can be a small ball center. No, he's a big ball wing. Like, <laughs> he's much more likely to have an impact for me, personally, uh, at the three than he is at the five. Like, I don't see a reason he can't be a three. He defends point guards, like, yeah. fine. Like, there, there's no issue, which is yep. insane. Uh you know, he's an okay, good rebounder. Um, I, I guess the other big weakness you have to talk about is, like, his vertical explosion and his, his uh, like, vertical plane exp- explosion. So going forward, back, up, down, um, not good. Laterally, great. Vertically, bad. Um, so, like, his rim protection, pretty good in that, like, he gets to spots really well and he rotates really well and he moves really well in rotation. Uh, he's a very intelligent player so like he gets really good block and steal numbers at the nba i don't know how impactful he's going to be as a rim protector because he's not a guy who's like really strong and able to really put uh really threaten you at the rim mm-hmm. um i don't know it's the, uh it's the it definitely impacts like his more, yeah. his ability as a driver as well um that he just doesn't have a first step so even so yeah um i guess the the other question for you um then is what how, how do you see him in detroit what, what do you see a player like that doing for you in detroit so in detroit the thing that worries me is i feel like the player that you've described sounds an awful lot like a bigger maybe slightly faster sadiq bay and we already have a sadiq bay and yes. while you can't have like Having as many Sadiq Bays as possible is not a bad thing. I would, I just think that there are better fits, and that's why I like. That's why we've been strong on the Paolo side. We've talked about how good Check can be. Um, I don't think he would be necessarily a bad. Like if he ends up on the Pistons, I'm not going to be upset. He's still no. a great prospect. You can definitely work with him. I think he struggles a lot with the ball in his hands in terms of you know, dribbling and playmaking, which concerns me about the top three pick but that being said he's going to knock down everything in sight he plays he could play good defense on multiple people he's not a bad rebounder like there's many positives he brings to the table other than that and hey you have Cade Cunningham and Achillian Hayes two guys who are going to have the ball in their hands a lot anyways so a future lineup of Cade, Killian, Sadiq and Jabari is not it's not a bad lineup I'm not opposed to it but I just think, from the sounds of it, it sounds like, I mean, it changes literally by the day, but I feel <laughs> like everyone solidly has him in either one or two. And personally, as we've said before, praise be to Paolo. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I will say, really I will say Chet, Chet's creeping up there. Like, uh, Chet really might start is. being with a 1A. Uh, he, he's been just obscene in ways that, are maybe the most unicorny special things and it's getting harder and harder to ignore 
I do feel I, like I saw him in his worst game. <laughs> I watched the Saint, I watched most of the St. Mary's game, and that was not his best showing. I can see that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not out like, on him, but I'm just... To, to me... I don't know fully. To me, uh, like, Jabari just means, like, you have to trade Jeremy now. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much overlap. Uh, I don't think there's any way you can give Jeremy, Jabari, and Sadiq 30 minutes. Yep. Because, like, they're j- it's just not going to work. Um, but I think you've run into the same problem if we get Paolo. And See, like, if, I, I think you Paolo get Chet, can sneak into, like, five of... minutes. I think Chet can easily, like... Chet, Chet's, you're more a, looking Chet's at, a different like, problem, because then you got Chet, Stu, and a little bit of Bagley all kind of fighting for the five minutes. Yeah, see, like, that I think is... But that, to me, it's fine. It's like, okay, what we're definitely not doing is keeping Luca Garza around. Yeah, uh, well, if Luke, that happens, Luke is long gone. But like, uh, I don't know that Luke is going to be around next season, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think like you, I I have ways where I can buy Paolo fitting in a few different. I just I don't see it with with Jabari. I think you are drafting J- uh, Jabari specifically to be Jeremy Grant, and like the overlap on day one. Unless Jabari, for whatever reason, has like some horrific shooting slump, the the day one overlap is like seventy percent of Jeremy Grant, yeah. and I just like don't need him anymore. Um, which is interesting because like, if you have a dra- if you're drafting say number two and and you you say I can get Jabari and I've got a deal on the table to take Jeremy for like the twelfth pick, like that even if you like Paolo or uh, um, or Chet more, and even if they're available, there might be something to like. I know exactly what this fit is in terms of like how I'm gonna like. I don't have to change my team at all for mm-hmm. for his minutes, and like maybe this other pick is something that I combine with something else, and you know maybe maybe I've I figured this out and I get the 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 game changing asset. You know, maybe I need to find a new point guard or a new center. So, you know, whatever the the wrinkle you're trying to, to like, really upgrade with, uh, maybe you get it with the, the Jeremy asset. Um, yep. Or maybe just get future picks. This is nothing wrong with that either. No, but I, I do think, like, they're not tanking again. Like, this is the last again. This is the last year they're going to put up with this Future picks are good whether you're, like, good or bad. That's... That's kind of like a They are, a but I think you you're in a good. point where your future picks need to become now picks. Like, you can trade future picks for better picks later, trade it for a better player later, too. Like, if you have an overlap, getting picks is not I, a bad thing. I don't disagree, but, like, usually those future picks are, like, we traded with the Lakers, and they only have the 27 and 29 picks, right? They, they only have the... That's not bad picks, though. <laughs> they're not, but, like, nobody <laughs> else is, like... Most teams are not going to be like, we're going to take those Lakers picks in a trade. Right? They're like, that's your gamble. Right? In 2025, we might take that 27 pick if it looks like LeBron's gone, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, those are your gamble. And so they're not the most translatable assets, which we know because the Lakers can't fucking trade them. <laughs> so, like. Well, you know, it sounds like they didn't want to trade them, also, but they. Well, they didn't want to. They Wall, don't want to so trade the twenty-seven because thing? they'll they're gonna get the twenty-nine unlocked this off season. 
So then they can offer two first rounders where they didn't have that before. So they're just thinking like the 27 as a package isn't going to give them enough. I, they put themselves in this position, but I don't think that's the bad move uh, to, to get themselves out of it. I don't think they're I'd wrong in what they're doing. They just shouldn't be have been here in the first place because kid- their offseason last year was among the most moronic things I've ever seen. Woo! Uh, go Miz! Yeah, that was that was hilariously stupid. Uh, I loved Russell like, Wiz, and I was happy to see him go the, for that package. The Russell Westbrook trade isn't even the dumbest thing they did. Just letting it Caruso walk else. is the dumbest letting thing Caruso I've walk, ever seen. Signing Horton Tucker to that awful deal. Like, there's, there was a lot of mistakes made during that offseason. In hindsight, it's like, what are you doing? And even at the time, was insane. If, if they'd managed to keep Caruso and still gotten Westbrook, like... There's some things that Caruso, there's some there's some gaps Caruso oh, yeah. would have been able to cover that would have made that team look a lot more functional. Let me tell you, uh, they should have. They, and it sounds like they just like really lowballed him too, which is just kind of insane. Mm-hmm. And um, he might not have gotten hurt by the douchebag Grayson Allen, which yeah, tangent. Grayson Allen. Can we talk about how cathartic it was to see North Carolina just ruin Duke's whole life? Ah, oh, that was so beautiful to watch. And I was watching it with people that have family members um, that went to Duke and were at the game, and they were very happy to see them lose. It was <laughs> so beautiful, and it is so nice to have one last reminder of how much of a dick Coach K is and how I'm happy to see him gone. Remember when there was a time where somebody scored on Coach K uh, when his team was down big and they scored in like, the final seconds, and Coach K cussed him out in the in the handshake line that is uh, NBA player Dylan Brooks yeah remember that yep. uh, and I think it and, happened more than once and coach K said that no I didn't that didn't happen and then the audio came out and proved that yes it did happen yeah coach yeah. K is a dick and I'm happy to see him gone fuck yeah him. bit of a prick uh so yeah um anyway There's your back to, back to Jabari uh I've got my opinions. Do you have a a fit, a place where you think he fits best? All right. So I'm not gonna lie. I didn't see this when I was initially going through the uh, through our outline, um, and I was looking through the teams in the area and seeing like, you know, who where would I like to see him? Where would I think he fit best? And at first, I thought like, oh, okay, see, that'd be interesting. Him with Shea, that'd be a fun combo. But eh, I could probably see someone else better there. And then I saw the Pacers, and I'm like, oh, he'd be perfect here, right? Him, right? Miles Turner. With oh god, that would the only I, problem. It makes is it means too he's much in sense. Indiana, and I feel bad for him. Exactly, <laughs> and I have, Indiana's not a fun place to be. But yeah, I Indiana have friends was, that are Pacers definitely fans, and I do not want them to be good. And that would be the quickest rebuild of all time if they just got Jabari Smith ha- and all Halliburton, sudden, Turner, uh, yep. Buddy, uh, T.J. Warren's uh, Jabari, back healthy. T.J. Warren maybe back healthy. I'm missing a name. I'm missing uh, Brogdon. Like Brogdon, just like. Really <laughs> easy, obvious fits that just like immediately they're like a six seed again, just like really comfortably. Uh, I think Orlando's also like a really obvious fit. Uh, he just fits into the the cadre of like ten thousand long wings. <laughs> yeah, it's but, like, what do you think? But he's better than know. them. Like, yeah. what if Jonathan Isaac could actually shoot? You know, like that's In the kind of thing we're looking at like, now. Jonathan Isaac is like a, a defensive player of the year caliber defender when he's healthy but also what if jonathan isaac was healthy <laughs> just they just have what too if? many damn people in orlando they like, do it's insane like the wings would be what franz okiki 
uh, Ross if he's back. Uh, who like you uh, could you could start you, you like, could start Suggs. You could start Suggs Cole or or Fultz Cole or Fultz Suggs. Uh, Chuma maybe Franz uh, Jabari Wendell Carter Jr. What are like, the magic? <laughs> like a, a Suggs Fultz Franz Jabari Wendell Carter Jr. lineup is like so brutally huge. <laughs> like that's so huge. And if Cole Anthony's the starter instead of instead of Fultz, fine, whatever. Uh, Cole's also big and like he's he's athletic enough to make up for for any size deficiencies. But like, holy crap, that's a huge team. Uh, and Orlando just basically needs some of these people to stay healthy long enough for them to be good because they are a good team if people just stop fucking getting hurt. Yeah, it's that that easy. Team where it's like there is too much potential. Like if if one or two of these guys figure it like figure it out, figure it out. The magic are going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like you go up and down. They got like Wendell Carter Jr., who you forget about, and like <laughs> I have not forgotten. Someone... Well, I know you haven't. But I'm saying other people forget about. I am a pastor like... in that church. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know you, you've held that since it opened. Like, I love Wendell Carter Jr. Up and Jr. down. It's ridiculous what the magic could be if they weren't the magic. All right. Um. So last last bits here. About Jabari. Real quick. Um, so, paths to like success. Uh, paths to success. The 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 shooting translates just obviously, right? There's there's no there's no universe in which the shooting doesn't translate, mm-hmm. uh, especially the movement shooting. Um, I think he can pretty easily add the Sadiq Bay style triple threat stuff, like learning how to make drop dribbles, learning how to like get guys into your body, and then. Um, and then and then just kind of move around them the way Sadiq is doing right. That I think that's a pretty plausible two three year growth for him. Um, the the final leap leap is the handle, uh, you know, an advanced self creating handle. That one's much less plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, what I are the downsides? What are the we downsides? Uh, lack of handle development is the obvious one. He doesn't have one. It's the hardest skill to to develop. We and then the poor functional, and then yep, we've talked about that at length. And then the poor functional athleticism in the vertical plane. So how correctable it's like is you it? You made up a business term for that: <laughs> poor functional athleticism in the vertical plane. In the vertical plane, uh, <laughs> it's just it's just like functional athleticism, right? Is is a good thing to talk about because like um, uh, C.J. McCollum is a great example of this. Um, C.J. McCollum, like, not a good athlete, right? But he is insanely good at knowing exactly how much space he needs to get in order to get his shot off. And he gets that space every time because he's got all the craft in the world, but he also has just the right amount of twitch athleticism. Uh, It's all timed perfectly. It's coordinated perfectly. Um, A player like Johnny Davis in this year's draft. Johnny Davis is the mediocre uh, athlete at the NBA level. But he's really good at translating that athleticism, right? Cade Cunningham, not a crazy good athlete, but really high functional athleticism, right? Really translates it well, has really great coordination. Um, I think Jabari is a better athlete than he looks, but he has really bad functional athleticism issues. He has really bad 
translation issues. So those can be correctable. There's there is stuff, right? You 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 we've seen guys like Steph Curry learn how to walk again in order to to avoid injuries, right? You can change your biomechanics and if you've got, you know, he's got muscle mass that like mm-hmm. should be more explosive than it is. So if he can figure out how to time his movements correctly and, you know, get these patterns down, he can get faster. He can develop a better first step. I don't think he's ever going to be elite. But, like, it's there. The problem is those are also areas where, like, guys can really screw up their careers by trying to change these things with the wrong trainer and you know, you break your foot because you were trying to build muscle mass and you didn't balance it correctly. Like, that's a thing that happens way too often. Um, so there's some some risk to it. Um, there's also going to be some questions about, like, is that going to be somebody's highest priority for him going forward? So it's hard to say how correctable functional athleticism issues are. Um, you know, I don't think he's maximized himself. I don't know if he's going to get there. The dribbling is obviously the hardest thing. Uh, we've talked about this. Um I just don't see him ever being Kevin Durant, right? That that yeah. or or Paul George uh, is another good comparison of like this tall wing shooter. I just like those are upper percentile uh, growth uh, outcomes that I just like don't see. And if he becomes say that, like he could become that, but it isn't. It isn't expected. That's not one of the right, right. most likely it's, outcomes. It's just like like anybody can become. Just about anything, right? And that's the that's the. I trap. could become Giannis if I wanted to. I'm just gonna keep stretching. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna put myself on the rack, and just keep pulling and pulling and pulling. Uh, but that like most of these guys can, <laughs> most of these guys can, you know, there's there's a chance for most of them to do anything. Most players in the draft, right, are NBA caliber athletes. What's you know where they are on that scale doesn't really matter. You're an NBA caliber athlete. Right, Jamorco Pickett could become Kevin Durant, but like the odds are not in your favor. And you know, the the earlier you do the skill development, right, the the better the brain is at learning these new things, and the the better you are. So the fact that he's nineteen is actually a really big selling point for him. Yep. Um, Isn't he the youngest of in, kind of the top couple picks? What? Isn't he the youngest of the top couple picks? I believe so. Yes. Um, I believe both Paolo and Chet are like nine months older plus. Um, so it's a big, it's a big selling point, especially because, uh, all accounts are that he's made big strides over the last couple of years in his development. So, uh, it's just like one of those things where it's like the thing he lacks is the thing that's hardest to grow. And Mm -hmm. it's, and it's, um, and there's layers to the handle where it's like, okay, what does it take for your handle to get to, uh, the ability to self-create your own shots. All right, what does it take for your handle to get to the point where you can run a pick and roll, right? Because there's a different level of handle that's required to isolate and just get downhill uh, to a handle that's required to run a pick and roll and have that kind of patience and poise to live dribble passing off the pick and roll to step back series and stuff like that. So uh, lots of stages for him to go to. Uh, if he hits even one or two, they're big ceiling raisers for him, but they're just... Even one is is going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Has that changed? Has that changed your big board at all? Talking no. about Jabari? No. Okay. I think it's definitely warned me to like scouting of him ahead of time. Has definitely warned me to the idea of taking him because I 
I saw Paolo and I just fell in love. But <laughs> I don't think it's changed my order in any in the slightest. Okay, you're 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 still Paolo Chet Jabari. Yep, I'm still Paolo. Has, has Ivy back. crept in in ahead no. of any of them? No. Okay. <laughs> After watching him in person, it might have gone down a bit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, he okay. was not not impressive against MSU to say the least when I was there. <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for us this week. We will yep. be back hopefully next week. Hopefully around the same time. Uh, have you have you thought ahead? Do you know what your prospect of the week is going to be next week? I'm honestly forgotten. I don't know who we have left to talk about, honestly. I feel like we we've have covered... many people left to talk about. We've covered mostly everyone. So, it might be a mystery. might be a surprise. <laughs> we've done like six prospects. That's all of them. Well, we <laughs> did the one... We did the, we, we did the We did the super of, pod. Yeah, that, that really threw off my ordering. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe right. we'll do well, some... Well, it'll Tara be a surprise Eason. to me too, which is always the best kind. The ones where we make the pod right before the pod. <laughs> it's magic, baby. That's showbiz. We'll see y'all next week. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.